So we are in uh, the 12th chapter of uh, Genesis, the end of chapter 11, we could say, the beginning of the 12th chapter. Uh, and uh, this is uh, a cornerstone passage uh, in, the, in the scriptures. It is God's promise to Abraham. And we could say that so many other aspects of the promises of God in the scriptures all can be traced back to, really, verses 2 and 3 of uh, chapter 12. Now, that's a lot to say about a couple of verses in the Bible, uh, but you'll understand what I mean as we, uh, as, we progress, as we progress here. So, first of all, where are we? You know, why, what's going on in, in the text, right? So, as, uh, if, if we remember, I, and I've said this uh, a few times, uh, and that is that the book of Genesis is, in a way, a genealogy with narratives put in it about the, the people who it's talking about, right? In the beginning, God blessed uh, the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, and he said, be fruitful and multiply, right? And we see that uh, right from the get-go, when God creates mankind, he wants to bless mankind. That is, by the way, the unique feature of the God of Israel. You know, uh, and when I say that, what I mean is, is that, uh, you know, sometimes uh, in the Bible, uh, you have uh, the word El used to define who God is. And other times you have the yud heh vav right? Uh, Yahweh, uh, we, we say Adonai, right? Uh, and uh, in the, uh, the ancient world, El basically meant deity. Kind of like the way we use the word God, right? Uh, if you were to ask uh, anybody out there, uh, you know, do you believe in God? Probably nine out of ten people will say yes. Defining God, that's a whole other uh, ball game, right? So in the Bible, El, of course, uh, is a word that uh, talks about the God of Israel, but his personal name is yud heh that is the name of the God of Israel. And the uniqueness about him is that he really, really cares about, his, about people. Uh, he really cares about humankind. That is uh, the unique feature. We take that for granted. Of course, God cares about us. He created us. But when you look at other uh, uh, faith beliefs, other uh, so-called gods, of the world, basically, uh, they are utility for the God uh, of their creation. Uh, but the God of Israel desires to bless mankind. So right from the beginning, he says, be fruitful and multiply. And he blessed humankind with land. He blessed them with relationship. Uh, he blessed them with uh, the ability to conceive and bear children, right? But sin, uh, uh, right from the beginning, sin continually gets in the way of the blessing. God desires to uh, not only make them fruitful and multiply humanly, but also to cultivate the ground and, and to uh, live a robust, full 
human life as God defines that. Uh, and we saw, you know, earlier that uh, man is on a downward spiral. He finds Noah uh, and doesn't destroy the entire world, but almost the entire world. Uh, and to start over with Noah, and we see that that uh, mankind is still the same. God desires to bless, but man uh, on his own continues this uh, journey of uh, individualism uh, and hubris, pride, and we come to Babel. You know, let us make a great name for ourselves, right? God intervenes and scatters people everywhere. Uh, and gives them different languages. Uh, And out of all of that, you know, it's like this cauldron that is stirred up with everything in it, you know, and everybody in it. A man is found, we could say. Uh, And that man is Abram. And from the time that we begin to read about him, we see that what God is going to do out of sinful humanity is going to come, ultimately, the deliverance uh, of of the world. Out of sinful humanity, meaning uh, out of this man and his family. Now, we know the rest of the story, uh, right? But it's important for us to begin with that, okay? To begin with that. Because when you read chapter 12 all the way to chapter 50, man, what a colorful tale, uh, of uh, of uh, sinfulness and faithfulness, uh, you know, and everything in between. And we'll see that right here, even in, not this week, but probably next week, in the, later in the 12th chapter. We'll see that right away uh, there's, uh, there's, there's problems. But God loves this world and people so much that he is not... Uh, deterred by human sinfulness. He will bring blessing to this world. And amazingly, God obligates himself to humanity to do it. It shows what a tremendous love of God, that he obligates himself to sinful humanity for the ultimate purpose of delivering it from, uh, from evil. When we're in relationship with, uh, with someone, uh, you know, uh, we, we usually, if we see unfaithfulness, we're looking for a way out. God does not look for a way out. God ultimately delivers through sinful humanity. Okay, so now let's uh, uh, go back here into chapter 11, and we see, uh, you know, the Tower of Babel. Uh, another moment of great rebellion of mankind. And so God scatters the people so that he, in, in a way, what he does here, he forces them to fulfill the calling to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, right? That's, that's another way. God loves them so much that one, on one side it is a judgment, but the other side it ultimately will turn into blessing. Remember I said that a couple of weeks ago. What's, what, what, what is a chastisement ultimately becomes a blessing, filling the earth. And then we read Shem's genealogy again, and but bringing us to Terach, the father of Abram. So it's out of these people. It's important that we get that. It's out of these people that comes 
uh, uh, the, uh, the father of the chosen people, okay? It's not like he was born, you know, in Jerusalem, you know, and uh, with a spiritual spoon in his mouth or something like that, right? Okay, so here in chapter 11, uh, we read, uh, beginning in verse 24, and it's interesting, you have, uh, you have uh, repeated names. There's actually a Nahor Jr. here, okay, as we'll see. In verse 24, it says, And Nahor lived 29 years became the father of Terach. And Nahor lived 119 years after he became the father of Terach, and he had other sons and daughters. Then Terach lived 70 years, and he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. That's where you get Nahor Jr. from. Okay? Uh, now it says, now these are the generations of Terach. Terach became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. Okay? So that makes Lot Abram and Nahor's nephew. Right? Haran died in the presence of his father Terach in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur of the Chaldeans is over there in what we call modern-day Iraq, over there right along the Euphrates River. Okay? Abram and Nahor, meanwhile, took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. All right? Now, now it says, uh, And Sarai was barren, and she had no child. Terach took Abram his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, uh, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. Okay, so Nahor stays behind. Does anybody know from other places in Genesis the importance of Nahor after that? He is Rebekah's grandfather, okay? He's Rebekah's grandfather. He stays back. So when, when uh, uh, the, uh, the, the servant of Abraham goes to find a wife for Isaac, he goes to his family. It's Nahor's family. That's where Bethuel is. That's where Laban is and all of them, Okay. Nahor is the patriarch over there in uh, Mesopotamia. Now, we read something interesting. If you turn to uh, Joshua 24, in verse 2, I believe, I certainly hope, we read something about this family. That's important. Yes. Okay, it says in uh, chapter 24 of Joshua, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he called for the elders of Israel and for their heads, and for their judges and their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, From ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terach, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor. And look, they served other gods. Okay? Not Abraham, but Terach and Nahor. Right? Okay? Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac and Jacob, and, and he goes on. So it's very interesting. He says, from ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terach, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. 
And then I took Abraham uh, from beyond the, beyond the river and led him to the land of Canaan. Now, what's interesting about that verse, there's a couple of things. So we see that this is a family of idol worshipers. Okay? Now, and, and it says there that they come from Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, here at the end of Genesis chapter 11, it says Terach led his family to Haran on their way to Canaan. But we see from the perspective of the hand of God, God is leading them to Haran. And from there, uh, Abram is called out. But in, he's, he leaves Haran, but he's called out from Ur of the Chaldeans. And I think that is actually significant. It's significant because if you go back to the Tower of Babel, that's where Shinar is. You know, that's where they tried to build the, uh, the Tower to God. God calls him out of that. And I think that's significant. Also, I think it's interesting because Babylon is where Israel was exiled later on in history. And they go from Babylon, they return to the land. So in a way, you know, Abraham is sort of the uh, microcosm or the personification of Israel. In a way, he's uh, uh, in exile and God brings him to, uh, you know, to the land. Also, uh, it's important because uh, where Ur of the Chaldeans is located is where the Shemites, part of where the Shemites dwelled, okay? So it's uh, kind of interesting that God calls him out uh, from there, all right? Now, then it says the days of Terach were 205 years and Terach died in Haran. All right, now. We don't know anything about Abraham. You know how uh, we know about Noah, God said he was righteous and blameless, right? We don't know anything about Abraham. What we do re read there in Joshua is that the, uh, you know, the family is, is not a, a God-fearing family. They're idol worshipers. But God took Abraham. In Judaism, there is, we'll call it an obsession with trying to figure out why God chose Abram. There are, some of them are quite humorous, rabbinic story after story about why God chose uh, Abram. And if you grew up going to Hebrew school, you know, in a synagogue somewhere, you learned, it's funny, I can say this for sure, you learned that Terah had like an idol shop, Right? And in some way, he either went on vacation, he went uh, and did an errand, uh, or Abraham was working one day for him, something like that. And Abraham destroyed all the idols in his father's uh, workshop, right? And that's why God chose Abraham. You know, let me tell you, I believed that, I think, all the way until I became a believer in Yeshua. And then uh, subsequently learned that it's actually not in the Bible. That is like ingrained that, that uh, that's, you know, how Abraham uh, uh, was, uh, was uh, chosen. The scripture never tells us. But what we see is in the providence, in the sovereignty of God, there's something about Abram uh, that God sees perhaps uh, potential in him uh, or just uh, in the secret mystery of God. Uh, Abram uh, is, uh, is the man. Have you ever wondered yourself, like in your own life, how come 
when, uh, you know, someone shared the, the good news of Yeshua with me, just like sharing the message with a dozen other people, but why is it that I received the Messiah? Why didn't I just say, yeah, forget about that, you know? It's interesting. There may be temporal reasons little re- on the surface, reasons here and there, but it is in the mystery of God, you know? The scripture says that the Spirit draws us to the Lord, convicts us. Uh, and, uh, and so it is rather interesting. It's a mystery. There are all kinds of uh, doctrinal positions people can take on that, but I would suggest the reason that there are all kinds of doctrinal positions people take on that is because it's a mystery, just like Abram. And so one of the things it tells us is that God loves this world so much that in the midst of all of that, he found a man. Now, one of the things that we're going to learn about Abraham is that he is progressively progressively becoming closer to God as time goes on. Things happen in Abraham's life in between chapter 12 and chapter uh, 22, okay? Uh, and uh, it's amazing that, you know, in chapter 12, he's ready to, th- later on in the chapter, he's ready to throw Sarah under the bus. And in chapter 22, he does the unthinkable in trusting God to carry his son up Mount Moriah. So we see that there's this, there is a progression uh, of holiness, of trust in the walk of God of Abram. He's not ready made in chapter 12, although, as we'll see, He does follow God at the beginning. Okay, so we see, the next thing we see is, we don't see now God, uh, you know, visited him in a particular location or saw Abram doing something, but we see that he speaks to him. Now, the Lord said to Abram, now Abram is dwelling with his family in Haran at this time, and we see, now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. In Hebrew, it's lech lecha. Go, you go. It's imperative. Go. Not, hey, if you have a chance, leave. You know? Uh, but no, it's a, it's a command. Go. Now, from your land. Country is here land. It could be translated. It's Eretz. Translated land. Uh, from your relatives and from your father's house. Now, it's interesting, it says those three things. From your land, your relatives, and your father's house. It's kind of making a point. Leave everything behind. Leave everything behind and follow me. And he says, to the land which I will show you. It's interesting that he doesn't tell him right away where it is. He just says, follow me. Go uh, where I show you. All right? All right. So the first thing we see is that uh, uh, Abram is told, you must follow me. You must obey me. You must leave where you, uh, where you are. And then he says, then this is what will happen. And he makes him a series of promises here. Okay? In order for uh, Abram uh, to be able to appropriate these promises, he has to follow God. He has to, just like it says, 
leave everything behind and follow him to the land that God would show him. And then we read here, uh, he says, uh, I will make you a great nation. Okay? I will make you a great company of people. Okay? Now, when he says a great nation, it's very interesting. He uses, he doesn't say a great people. He doesn't say, I will make you a great people. He says, I will make you a great nation. This is also very, just interesting. Food for chewing on late at night, you know, uh, to think about. Uh, the word for people in, in Hebrew is am, like ami, my people, am. The word for nation is goy, right? And generally speaking, goyim are the nations as opposed to Israel. Once in a great while, Israel is called a nation, but usually it is, Israel is referred to as my people or the people, okay? But he says, I will make you a great nation. So they're going to be this, uh, what he's saying, you are going to be uh, a, uh, a lot of people dwelling in a land that uh, will uh, be significant, Okay? You're not going to be a nomadic people, but a designated people uh, with, a, uh, with a land. And not just any, any kind of nation, but a great nation. All right? All right. Then he says, I will, uh, I will bless you. Now, when he says, I will bless you, that is a general statement. Uh, that he would uh, have numerous descendants uh, and... Uh, he would have all of the things that God desires humanity to, to have, to live a full, rich, uh, a full, rich life. Just like when God created Adam and Eve, he desired for them to be blessed, and he, he gave them a land, and he told them to cultivate the land and enjoy the land, uh, enjoy the creation of God, right? Uh, and have uh, lots of children and and have relationship and, and all of that. Now, you know, I will be teaching a, a mini course on what bless is. And we could just say, in the biggest way, it is the infusion of life and all of what life means uh, when it comes to uh, creation. You know, not what we think is, uh, is good, but, but all that God has blessed mankind with. Uh, you know, before there was uh, a sin, uh, vitality, infusion of life, infusion of living, you know, and, um, and that's what God says he's going to do uh, for Abram. And so uh, God says, I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And then he says, and make your name great. Now, it is possible to read, I will bless you and make your name great, as a little, that little part of poetry where uh, the second uh, line is embellishing the first line. That when he blesses him by making his name great, that certainly also uh, uh, is, is in that. Now, making his name great is actually significant on several levels. Remember what... Mankind wanted to do with the Tower of Babel? Let us make a great name for ourselves. 
let us make a great name for ourselves. God says to Abram, I will make you a great name, not you yourself, but I will make you a great name. Now, the, that, that uh, idea of great name is what we might call a regal designation. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, in verse 9, it's very interesting what we read there uh, with that little phrase. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, in verse 9, uh, it says here, uh, God speaking to uh, uh, David, And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you a great name like the names of the great men who are on the earth. Now, what's interesting is, is this is the preamble to the great promise of David's dynasty lasting forever. And in that preamble, God reminds him uh, and promises, I will make you a great name. And I would suggest that the uh, promise of the great dynasty and that uh, there, you know, the throne will always belong to David is part of that great name. Then you also read in Psalm 72, in verse 12, about uh, the, um, we could say, the righteous king, ultimately King Messiah, of course. For, I, for he will deliver the needy when he cries for help. Uh, wait a minute. 17, not 12. Good. Whew. All right. May his name endure forever. May his name increase as long as the sun shines. And let men bless themselves by him. Let all nations uh, uh, call him blessed. So what you see there is, uh, uh, when we get down to verse 3, we see here, again, a regal designation for the promises made to Abraham. But it's very interesting there about... uh, uh, David, and I will make and, and uh, I will make your name great. We read that God says to Abram, "Kings will come from you. Kings will come forth from you." And also the same thing, uh, Sarah says the same thing that you will give birth to to uh, to kings. So we see here so far that God is going to uh, bless Abram by making him a great and powerful uh, nation, uh, and, uh, and he'll, he'll be uh, blessed with uh, the, the blessings of God, uh, and uh, his name will be great. So, you know, it is very interesting that in, first in Abram's life, uh, he was a great man. It's in his own life. Uh, we read, uh, in fact, that he was so wealthy that when he had to go and save Lot, that he had his own army, basically, of, uh, of, uh, of people. Uh, and his name is great. In one sense, his name is great because every Jew, Christian, and Muslim claims him, right? Uh, more people agree about Abraham than anybody else. Uh, uh, that has ever lived, right? Uh, whether, they're, whether everyone is correct in all their assumptions or not, uh, his name certainly, uh, certainly is, is, uh, is great. But what is uh, fascinating there 
is we see later on the relationship of, of God's promise to David is rooted in that great name that God promises Abram. And we know that Yeshua is the son of David. Uh, and he uh, uh, indeed has the greatest uh, name. And then he says, and so you shall be a blessing. Now, literally in Hebrew, it's not you shall be a blessing. It's an imperative, just like go from your country or go from your land. It's be a blessing, be a blessing. So this is a very interesting. Abram is not only the recipient of blessing, but he is the transmitter of blessing. And, uh, and he is commanded to bless. And it's like a promise. You will be a blessing, but it's an imperative. Uh, be a blessing. Okay? Uh, and uh, so it's interesting. You have two imperatives. Go from your country. And then God says the variety of, uh, a variety of promises to him, you go from your country to the land I'll show you, you're going to be a great, you're going to have many descendants, a great nation, uh, kings will come forth, you're going to have a great name, be a blessing. So Abraham is called to, we could say here, to leave everything behind and be a blessing. Yet God makes uh, tremendous uh, promises uh, uh, to him. And then uh, we read, I will bless those who bless you, so not only will Abram be, uh, is he called to, to bless, but all who relate to him well uh, will be blessed. And those, and the one uh, who, who doesn't, the one who doesn't, who, the one who takes, literally, the one who takes him lightly will be cursed. There's two different words there for curse, not the same word. One is uh, the word that would mean light. It's to take, some, take someone lightly. Uh, the one who takes him lightly will be cursed. Uh, and then it says, and in you, uh, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, when you read these, this, read it in one little sitting, you see that the word bless is repeated a number of different times. God makes these promises of great blessing to Abram. He promises him a progeny, you know, he, he uh, descendants, he promises him a great nation, powerful, wealth, and all that, uh, and we see that he's leading him to a land, and he's promising him this land for the purpose of blessing. Abraham now is going to be the channel of blessing of, of God to the world through his descendants, through the children of promise, uh, his descendants have a calling to be a blessing to the nations. Okay? Now, there's, um, there's more here. Now, when you read this uh, promise in, uh, in a variety of, um, of other places, we see very clearly that it's David not David, it's uh, Abraham and his descendants uh, who are the ones who will be a blessing uh, to the nations. You read it in chapter 18, you read it in chapter 26, and you read it in chapter 28. 
when this promise is reiterated to Isaac and to Jacob, what quite clear and it says, and in you and your descendants, the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And, uh, and so here we see this uh, a calling upon, Israel, upon uh, Abraham and his descendants to be a blessing. And God will indeed bless them, but for the purpose of being a, uh, the purpose of being a blessing. Now, when we come to the, uh, the New Covenant, it's clear, certainly, for example, just turn to one place in Galatians chapter 3. There we see in uh, verses uh, 7, 8, and 9. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations shall be blessed in you. Okay? So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, uh, the believer. All right? So, quite clearly, the, uh, the work of Yeshua uh, in the understanding of uh, Paul and the understanding of the new covenant, you also see it in the book of uh, Acts in the third chapter in Peter's speech, uh, that the coming of the Messiah is directly related to, in Abraham, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. But may I suggest that it is not the only meaning of the verse. Yes, the coming of the Messiah is rooted in the promise of, of Abram. Out of, out of Abraham, uh, Isaac and Jacob, the children of promise, out of David, comes King Messiah, comes Yeshua, comes the blessing. You read in the Gospel of John in the fourth chapter, salvation is from the Jews. Uh, that uh, uh, out of this people comes the Messiah. Sometimes where we go wrong, even the best of people, will read Genesis chapter 12, 1, 2, and 3, uh, and recognize that God has a future for the Jewish people, but do not recognize that, uh, this, that this promise is still a, the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the twelve sons of Jacob, uh, and their descendants. Okay? Yes, when we read in the New Covenant that, uh, that all who believe are sons of Abraham... You know, in the Bible, son means a lot of different things, right? I, when, I, when, when you read, for example, kings were called sons of God. Kings were called sons of, of God. I, in many of the genealogies, you have people called sons who are not directly related to, uh, uh, to other people. I, uh, uh, a son... I, I, in the Bible, can mean uh, a descendant, but it does not always have to mean a descendant. And so, obviously, all who believe are not descendants of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Children by faith uh, is a particular category uh, of, uh, of son, uh, children by faith. In fact, even in that passage, the sonship is defined for us as sons uh, by 
faith. Okay? Uh, and so it's important to recognize that when we uh, become Messiah followers, yes, we participate in the blessings of, uh, of, of the promise that God made to, uh, to Abraham, but we, do not but we do not become part of the specifics of the covenant that God makes with Abraham and his physical descendants, like, uh, like the land, uh, 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 for example, uh, or the variety of kings, for example. And, it, and it's important to recognize that because that, this is why Israel, Israel, the physical descendants of Abraham, are the chosen people for, forever. When the Lord returns, right, there's a reason that he's returning to where the Jewish people live. He's, re, he's returning there uh, because this is part of that promise. This is not a, a promise about eternal life, per se, except for the, the last line, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, blessed in Messiah Yeshua, okay? But just as all the families of the earth don't all appropriate that blessing, not every family of the earth is a Messiah follower. Not every human being, now, now that Yeshua has come, uh, is blessed in Abraham. Only those who appropriate it. Only those who embrace him. And so it is with the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We read about a lot of people who are cut off, uh, people who don't embrace uh, the God of Israel. And so it's important to recognize that God has this covenant relationship with these people to serve a purpose. Then, uh, in the days of the first temple, in the days of the second temple, in the days of Yeshua, in the days of no temple, all the way to now in the future. God has indeed used Israel to bless the nations in many different ways and continues to do so, not because of something within the people, but because of the blessing of God, because of this work of God. Israel is this uh, a channel of blessing to the nations in temporal ways and eternal ways. But that doesn't mean that every single uh, Israelite or Jewish person automatically knows the Lord, just as Abraham had to go forth, so obedience is required to participate in the blessing, no matter who you are, see? In order to uh, appropriate the blessing uh, that comes through Abraham and Messiah, you have to believe, you have to uh, engage Yeshua. It's not Automatic, unconditional promise, unconditional blessing, promise of unconditional blessing, unconditional love, uh, uh, requires responsibility. Unconditionality does not mean irresponsibility. When Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace might increase, that would mean understanding it that way. That it doesn't matter. God gave it to me. It doesn't matter how I live. No, it matters greatly how we live. And so uh, uh, we see uh, first this great promise that God makes to Abram uh, and the grace poured out upon Israel, even in disobedience, 
uh, uh, being uh, this people whom God uh, uses and continues to use. Can Israel, meaning the Jewish people, not the state of Israel per se, the Jewish people uh, appropriate blessings simply because of uh, being related to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? No. We can only appropriate blessing by being obedient. But God in his great mercy blesses even despite ourselves. See? Uh, But in the coming of Messiah... Uh, God desires to restore Israel to himself and bring the nations to himself. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll understand more about this as, um, as this all unfolds. Uh, but just in closing, we could ask ourselves, uh, as you know, Abraham has a role model, uh, when we embrace Yeshua, is uh, Yeshua just simply um, a part of uh, our, uh, a part of something that we believe part of something that we do, uh, or uh, is he all of who we are? Do we, in a sense, like, like Abram, leave in order to be obedient? In a way, we all have to leave in order to be obedient. We don't necessarily have to physically leave our families. We may. Yeshua said that, uh, you know, on account of him, uh, we will suffer great loss on some level. And for many of us, it is uh, the disdain of our families. Uh, some are uh, sometimes written out of the will, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, there's a price to be paid for knowing the Messiah. That's how it is. And we need to ask ourselves that question. And, you know, it's very interesting uh, because we read uh, in a variety of places uh, in the New Covenant When Yeshua calls his disciples, what does he say? He says, follow me, follow me. I won't take the time to read them. Follow me, follow me. And it says, they left their nets and followed him. Follow me. That's what Yeshua says to each and every one of us. Follow me. It's not business as usual. When uh, we embrace Yeshua, it's not now I'll be a moral person and, you know, uh, I'll be a better me, you you know. Uh, Or I'll, I'll embrace Yeshua and now... Uh, you know, I'm assured I'll go to heaven when I die. Uh, I'll embrace uh, Yeshua. I believe in, in Yeshua. Uh, and my sins are forgiven. Well, all that, you know, it's true. But Yeshua demands nothing less than complete uh, yieldedness and obedience to him. It means, it means having a renewed mind. It means thinking differently. And it may mean doing something entirely different with my life than I even had planned, you know? And, uh, and that becomes very true for some of us. Some of us, it's true in, our, you know, in, in the uh, relationships that we have. And for others, it's true just in our whole lives. And I would challenge, especially our young people who are in the process of going to school and thinking about what they're going to do with their lives, maybe God is saying, like he said to Abraham, Leave what you have behind and follow me to a land that I will show you, you know? Uh, and uh, uh, God uh, uh, promises us uh, that he will never leave us or forsake us and, and use us mightily, perhaps, to be a blessing to the nations, to be a blessing, uh, indeed, uh, to others. And so what we see here in the beginning of chapter 12 is the, the beginning of the promise that God makes to Abram. He promises him land. 
He'll be a great nation. Uh, he will be blessed. His name will be great. Uh, he'll be a blessing. Uh, and those who relate well to him, God will bless. Uh, and those who don't, God will judge. Uh, and, uh, and then finally, and then in him, all the families of the earth will uh, indeed uh, be blessed. Because God desires to bless. He desires to bless you and I. He desires to give us life. He desires to infuse life in us. And that comes in a variety of, of different ways according to the will of God. What gets in the way is ourselves, is our sinfulness, is our hubris, is our pride, our human pride, and, uh, and uh, you know, all the things that, uh, that uh, come from that. And what we will now see in Breshit, in Genesis, that right from the get-go, Abram almost blows the whole thing. Right after God makes it the promise, he almost blows the whole thing. But it's because of the faithfulness of God that God never lets go of this promise. And what we will see is that Abram and his children, we will see them bless others uh, throughout Genesis, with the climax being Joseph blessing Egypt. Uh, when we come toward the end of, uh, of Genesis. And so we see that in Abram, indeed, nations are blessed. Uh, and how wonderful it is that we can see here that Yeshua is, uh, is our king. Uh, in Yeshua, Abram's name certainly is great. And in Yeshua, Abram blesses all of uh, the, uh, the nations, all who, all who embrace him. Uh, and God, in his faithfulness, has indeed uh, uh, provided uh, this, uh, this land. We like to say land, seed, and blessing. If you've ever uh, uh, just read up on this promise, land, seed, and blessing. Promises him a land, promises him descendants, and as a result, there is a blessing. Blessing for Abram, his children, and for the world. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, let us be thankful that uh, we are living in the days when we see uh, Yeshua, the son of Abraham, the son of David, uh, King of Messiah, come and uh, die for our sins, be raised from the dead, so that now we can appropriate uh, indeed this uh, blessing. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, um, Thank you, God, for this uh, great promise of blessing. Thank you, Lord, that you commanded Abram to be a blessing. And indeed, he was in his own life. And Lord, thank you that you command all who embrace Yeshua to be a blessing. Because all who embrace the Messiah become part of, indeed, this great promise. Lord, thank you that you keep your promises. Thank you, Lord, that... The sins of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not uh, abrogate the, your promise. Thank you that even when we are unfaithful, you remain faithful. And thank you, Lord, for the great uh, promise and truth that in, that in Yeshua we uh, have uh, life forever in, in you. And thank you, Lord, that we see from the life we will see from the life of Abraham, Lord, that you are faithful. 
uh, to, uh, to your word. Lord, even though uh, we failed coming out of Eden, we failed coming out of the flood, we failed uh, continuously, Lord, you found uh, a man, uh, an imperfect man, and made a great promise to him that stands to this day. And we thank you and we praise you in Yeshua's name.